Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Dr. Matthew Perry for another great conversation, diving into a lot of those topics that no one really wants to talk about. We had a great conversation today about consistency, what that really means, is it necessary, and then of course got on our normal tangents as usual. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matthew Perry, how are you today? Hey, Brianne. I'm doing spectacular as always. I'm having a wonderful week. Um, we got a, a quick shout out. We got a farmer's market um, that will have already probably been a couple of weeks in by the time this is um, uh, uh, broadcasted. Um, we're co-organizing a farmer's market in our community, and I'm so flipping excited for it. And it's gained so awesome. much traction. Yeah, yeah. So couldn't be better, as always, though. That's awesome. That'll be fun. Like, I don't get to them enough just because of the time of day that they are around here, but like, they're so fun to go to. They are, right? You know, locally sourced, um, you know, produce and food and just you know, hang out with family and friends and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think after the year plus we've all had, um, this is much needed, right? <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, let's dive in to the random conversation that I'm sure we'll get into today. I know you had a topic on mind. So what did you want to talk about today? Yeah. Um, uh, thanks for asking. I've, I've had uh, just some reflection over the past uh, pretty much a week. And, you know, it's about this whole thing of consistency, right? We, we always talk about consistency is key. And I'm not the first person, sure, not going to be the last person to say something like that. And when we say it, it, it makes so much sense, right? Oh, yeah, just, just be consistent. I would say, um, both in my life and uh, personally and professionally, that's one of the hardest things for us to really, you know, employ, right? Um, it's, it's, it's a very tough, um, uh, tough thing to overcome. We can do real good at waking up at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, one day, and then we crash the rest of the week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not you and I, we're, we're early risers. We've made it a habit. We've been consistent, but <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh. Well, and I think like, yeah, I'm all about consistency and discipline and all of that, as I think you know. And I think where, like, me personally, where I get hung up is, like, especially when it comes to business, it's like, I know, like, if you stay consistent with doing a certain thing, like, you'll get, you know, build a business, whatever. But then you get to a point, it's like, well, is this really worthwhile? But I need to be consistent with this, like, me mentally. And so it, it can take, a like, a bit to then, like, fully process like consistency is good, but is this something I need to be consistent with or is it no longer serving me? Yeah. I mean, I, I, absolutely. And, you know, um, I mean, I have the same thing in personal and professional life and stuff like that. And it, it, it brings me to this uh, analogy when my patient shared with me and, you know, it was uh, the idea of juggling glass balls and rubber balls, you know, what does that mean? You know, Rubber balls are things that if you juggle and you miss it, it, okay, it goes and bounces, goes in the corner of the room, you can collect it later, right? You know, but these glass balls are the things that are very, very important for us. There are non-negotiables 
for instance, you know, um, and that's different for everybody, but you know, you drop one of those and it shatters. Right. And I don't mean to be too catastrophic, but, but, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's true. Right. Um, you know, our non-negotiables, we have to prioritize and, um, and then the other stuff, we just kind of let go by the wayside, you know, same thing in business, right. You know, there's a lot of things we want to do a lot of things that are fun and, you know, attractive to do, but is that going to yield, you know, the results that we want <laughs> in our business, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great analogy. Um, cause it does like make you think about, yes, consistency is good, but are there things like if your day is completely slam packed and some emergency comes up, it's like, what can you take out of today? That's not going to like destroy life um, and shift to tomorrow or just be like, you know what, we'll just take a break from this today. And, and I think it's good to like be able to analyze your life, whether it's business, personal life, training life, whatever, and figure out the, those differences. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. And you know, what's the one thing for most of us, not all of us, but I would say vast majority of us, when we get too stressed out, when those emergencies happen in our life, what's the first thing that goes? Typically our health and wellness, mm -hmm. right? We, oh, I, I, I can't go to the gym today because I have to X, Y, and Z, right? Or I can't, whatever. And, and in addition to us not being able to go to the gym to benefit our mental health, what else do we do? We, oh, I had a long day. I, I, I need a big beer tonight. And then, oh, I couldn't cook. So now I'm eating McDonald's or whatever, not picking up McDonald's, but you know, picking up McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and, and so the pendulum swings so far when we are in times of stress and when we really need that health and wellness, for instance, the most, we, we do the, the polar opposite of that, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and even like, how often do you like, maybe start feeling symptoms of something that's like, well, I don't have time to go to the doctor today or for the next two weeks. So we'll just schedule it for later and hope nothing gets worse. And like, it's just so easy to put our, our own health off. Like we'll take the child or the parents or whatever to the doctor, like immediately. But when it comes to ourselves, like, oh, it's, it'll, it'll be fine later right <laughs> later is always the thing but you know the thing is later you know like unfortunately for most of us doesn't happen or it happens way later down the rate uh, down the road you know like my you know some of my patients who come in you know they had an acute condition a a, a very minor condition um you know three years ago now it's a very advanced condition right yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely important. And, but, you know, I, I want to make it very clear that I don't have it figured out. You know, I'm, I'm working on myself with that as well. I, I, I work in a gym. My clinic is in a gym and I still don't work out as much as I want. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's one thing I still got. <laughs> I still got the consistency there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, that's, that's your glass ball and it should be a glass ball of mine. Uh, but I, I try to pretend like it's a rubber one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just, I'm just being real with everyone who's listening, you know, I'm, I'm by no means perfect with this. <laughs> We're all a work in progress. I'm curious um, what your thoughts are. So say it's this glass ball, like 
say training is your absolute glass ball, like maybe you're a competitive athlete or it's just your stress relief or it's your social hour, whatever it is, like it's your absolute. And you get to an overtraining point where it's like, you just literally need to take a break, but like mentally it's, well, I need to be consistent. Like how do you either personally or with your clients kind of work through that whole process of like, yes, this is our very important glass ball, but maybe we can make it a rubber ball temporarily because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that, that's a wonderful question. You know, um, you know, I, I am, you know me, I'm always a fan of movement and I never tell someone not to move, you know. Um, I think movement is the spice of life, all of those kind of, you know, hashtags and, and, and good omens, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you're absolutely right. What happens when the pendulum swings that way? You know, I, I, you know, immediately, you know, try to talk to the, the person and say, okay, well, this is something you love. This is something you need to do for your you know, job or health and wellness, mental health. You know, it's a, it's a must, a priority. You know, how about, you know, um, instead of training at that hundred percent, you know, four times a week or whatever the case is, you know, how about we have a recovery day? How about we have a mobility day? How about, you know, we, we go, I don't like the whole treadmill thing, but you know, how about we go for a walk outside because we're in sunny San Diego, you know, um, or, or you go for a run instead of, you know, some kind of high intensity training, right? And, and that hopefully will give the body some time to recover because you're absolutely right. I mean, some of my uh, people, as well as some of your people, we don't have to like motivate, but we have to kind of reel in and dial back, right? Yeah. And you know, I, I'm sure you get the people too, or who like, just flat out tell you, like, I, like, I can't not go to the gym. Like it seemed like I have to work out twice a day. And, and it's those people that like, and I understand, cause I used to be in that same mindset until a coach like forced me like, you're not stepping foot in this gym for five days. You're not going to think about the gym, like go. And it was at that time after that, I was, I came back and I was like, oh, like, I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling rejuvenated. Okay. Like this is necessary, but so many people don't take that advice and don't want to let, like take that break. Um, and so it's so hard to like, unless someone like truly experiences that they don't really understand how the body can, like when we get in an overtraining point and how the body can feel, um, and how important it is to like stop that injury cycle at times that we're building ourselves to. Yeah. You know, um, it, and it's, uh, and it's interesting because we've all been there when we are doing so much, we're so zeroed in that we think we're not making our lifts because, you know, um, because we suck, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, truthfully, right. It becomes an internal thing. Uh, but you know, it takes, you know, a coach, it takes someone external to show you that like, Hey, if you take some time off, guess what? You're going to probably, you know, you have a, the potential to increase your PRs, you know? Um, and, and so that, that, that's just the importance of a coach, right. Of, uh, you know, somebody in your corner to, to tell you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, so many people fight, well, I mean, I shouldn't say fight having a coach, but, um, it's like, a lot of people go to a CrossFit gym, OCR gym, some sort of smaller gym and have their like coach who's there. But a lot of times those coaches aren't stepping in and just telling you like, 
take some time off to step back. Um, I think it's their job to do that when they start noticing like performances down, but a lot of times it just isn't happening. And I think that's why it's important to have, whether it's like someone you hire one-on-one to be a coach or a group coach or something, but someone who you have a good relationship with that can be that person because like that outside eye is always going to be helpful. Yep. It's uh, for, for all of us. Right. And you know, yeah, that, that, that is a great distinction, you know, of where your coach is coming from and where your coach is your coach in the different, you know, different areas. Um, you know, because, you know, not speaking down on anyone, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a gym's business model to make sure that you keep coming. Right. <laughs> and it's not that they don't care about you. It's it, none of that, you know, it's, it's just, that's what it is, you know? So having um, an additional person, an ancillary person, you know, for instance, like you and you and I, right. A, uh, working on preventative, you know, um, health and wellness, right? Um, and, and and making sure that you have somebody who's neutral to, to, to step back. And um, that one-on-one aspect, I think, is so important because you can't, if you have 15 people in the class, you can't necessarily tell who's, who's over-training and who's under-training and all that. It has to be individualized. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, I don't know, like, it's just so hard. I think when it's like, you have to know your body. Well, you have to be able to feel your body well to shut yourself down. Um, but then, yeah, you want those coaches to also be involved in the, in the person's training. And so it's, it's really hard, um, dynamic, I think. Yeah, it, 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 it really is. And there's no um, great answer. And, you know, um, I know most of the coaches that, that I know in, in all the gyms that, um, I have relationships with, you know, they, they, they do what they can. They do what they can to make sure that everyone is getting what they need. You know, my gym, we just started offering yoga, you know, and, and so that's just a different type of training to make sure the body can, can recover and, um, and all of that. But I, I love the point you had about the, uh, consistency and that's being inconsistent or too consistent, right. <laughs> with, with, with your training, you know, but this, this really makes me kind of think about like, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard, you know, and I'm sure you know the names better than I do, you know, these, these runners who in the, you know, they were out of shape, overweight, all of this kind of stuff, degenerating, whatever that means in their body. Um, they're middle-aged and then they decide they want to start, start running. They end up going and you know these are very few and far between but they end up now running ultra marathons and things like that you know those kind of stories right yeah i mean that that's what consistency can also bring to you right is this uh um rejuvenation if you will right yeah absolutely um and i think like yeah it's such a almost a fine line with a consistency because you have to be consistent with your training in the right way to get you to that point. But you can't be like, how many people have you talked to that's just like, I'm on a 150 day running streak, like haven't taken a break in 150 days. I'm like, well, this isn't like, that's not the greatest idea either because you do need to give our body rest. Most times when it's those situations, it's they're running the same distance and the same pace every day. So we're not getting that variability in our body. So we're setting ourselves for more for risk of injury. And 
And so there's this like an inconsistent consistency almost that we need in our, in our training that we are making it variable. We're giving ourselves those rest days and not just being truly like I'm running every single day. Yes. Uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just yes. I, 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 I know, I know I seem like a, a bobblehead and stuff, but I mean, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. Like, he, you know, the people, you know, who I was referring to a, a moment ago, you know, they, they didn't start out by running an ultra marathon when they were deconditioned and all that kind of stuff. Right. But not by any means, they started at, you know, a mile, they might've started by walking it. Right. And then built, built their way up. But I, I do know, and I, I get caught in it sometimes too. You see, you see these people who are finally doing that and they're like, oh man, they, they must be gifted or have some kind of like superpower or some kind of like whatever. And it's like, really, you know, they, they just worked at it in the right way as you, as you're speaking about. Right. Yeah. That's why I love getting, I haven't had a lot of them, but I've had some of those types of people on the podcast and I love getting them on to share their stories because it is like elite athlete or someone who's running an ultra marathon that started at like 300 pounds overweight. Like it's not an overnight thing. It's a process and it's that consistency that gets them there, but it's the right consistency. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to ask you this, you know, what do you think of, you know, when someone comes through your doors and is like, Oh, I really want to be like that person, like the Thor's daughters. And you know what I mean? All the, these, uh, uh, very high level athletes, David Goggins too, you know, is a maniac. <laughs> um, you know, and they're like, Oh, they must, they must have the genetic component. They must have this, that, and the other, you know, I mean, what, what are your thoughts kind of on that? You know, um, I don't know if it's nature versus nurture, but that, that, yeah. that they were born with it. Kind yeah. Of thing. You know, there definitely could be a genetic portion to some of that when it comes to elite level athletes versus non-elite level, but the majority is going to come down to how they're training and like, and it can be as simple as what their programming looks like compared to yours, as far as your strength cycles and during stuff. Um, or it can be like, what is all the extra stuff that they're doing that you're not seeing the accessory work, the isolation work, the recovery stuff. Um, you know, what extra work are they putting in? That's not showing up on social media. So like there's, it's not that no one is incapable of improving or getting to that level. It's just a matter of like, it's doing the right things in the right order to get you to that level. Yeah. Um, doing, yeah, the right things in the right order to get you to that level. That it's, it's yes. That's, uh, that's 100%. Like, you know, and, and it, and it makes me think of like, um, like Michael Phelps, right. They, they did a, a thing on him to figure out why he was so good. And, you know, um, we might've talked about this before. You know. Long arms. The what? Yeah. Long arms, <laughs> wet feet, like what, whatever, whatever stuff it is, you know, what they, they found that, and this is a little bit contrary, but I think it aligns because it's for a high level athlete, you know, he put in, he, he swam every day and um, I'm not advocating that people do that by any means based off of the things we've said earlier <laughs> in this podcast, but it, it was interesting, you know, by the time um, the like Olympics came around, like when he was competing, he was putting in like, I forgot what it was, it was like 60 or like 90 more days um, 
in his sport swimming than most of his other competitors, right? Because they say they go every day, but, you know, not on Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever they, they celebrate, you know, not on Thanksgiving. <laughs> he, he was doing his thing every day. Um, so, you know, that it, it's so interesting how people come come to me and say, oh, like, I'll never be able to, you know, be like this person because, you know, they were born that way and stuff. And so maybe Michael Phelps does have web feet or web fans, whatever it is, this frog man, but <laughs> he's also putting in some work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like, think um, I remember Rich Froning's story kind of being similar because he didn't start out the amazing CrossFit athlete. Um, like he couldn't even rope climb the first time he went to a competition, um, but like learned that. But also kind of similar to Michael Phelps, it's like with from reading his story, it was like, after dinner rather than sitting on the couch like he would go row 2k because like most likely other people are just chilling with their families at night so he's like let me get one up on them and it's just little things like that um that can like make that difference sometimes yeah um it's it's the little things right and this isn't a big thing it's not that these people any of these phenomenal athletes are you know working out four six ten hours a day Never, you know, but they are doing 10 more minutes of stuff over the course, you know, every day yeah. or, you know, every other day, you know, to, um, to build it up. So, yeah, it's just uh, um, interesting um, how our perspectives get. And I, I want to be, again, clear that, you know, I sometimes get like that. Oh, well, dang, why, why am I not like this person? Oh, well, I haven't trained like that person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> You ever, you ever get the, the patients who are like, yeah, you know, they're 50 years old or something like that. And they're like, yeah, I just don't get it. I, I tried to go to the gym yesterday and try to bench press 225 pounds. And like, I couldn't, and you know, I used to be able to do that. Oh, when was the last time you did that? Oh, you know, I was like 20 years old <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, well you haven't bench pressed in 30 years and you know, you're kind of expecting to, to, to be at that same level. It just doesn't happen. No, not at all. And then the same note, like even just like six months off, three months off, like you can't come back at that same level, um, whether it's because you're off of in because of injury or just like life. Um, like you can't come back and expect to run the same distance you were running when you stopped. You can't expect to lift the same weights you were lifting when you stopped just because like the body remembers how to move, but it doesn't like maintain <laughs> everything else. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's uh, it's Wolf's law. The stress is placed upon it. It will respond to. But um, but yeah, and, and that that gives another point that, you know, people need to be preventative. So they're not, you know, not overtraining, getting rhabdo or tearing things. And and then now they're off for for four weeks, right? Because they wanted to train an extra day. That's, you know, um, in the grand scheme of things, that's silly, right? And, but you know, it, it happens to all of us. We do too much. Yeah. And I think we always, it's so hard, especially like if you have something event-wise on your schedule and it's like, you're training for that. It's so, it can be so hard to keep that bigger perspective like most people who are training today want to be able to continue training, potentially competing for 10, 20, 30, 40 more years, depending on what age you are. 
And it's like, we have to remember that longevity factor, like crushing your body today, just so you can compete in a month. Isn't going to like, or like turning through that injury so you can compete in a, in a month, you know, isn't going to be effective if, or that's not the right word. Isn't going to be helpful for you if like, ultimately you want to be able to like go for a long time. How many professional athletes do you see that trained so hard that they end up getting injured in the event that they wanted to participate in, right? Or af- afterwards had, you know, had a significant injury, right? It's, it, it's not about barely making it to your event and, you know, crawling across the finish line, right? It's about being able to, to run across it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had someone on my podcast a while back. She's an Olympian and she, she knew she was running the finals. I can't remember the distance, but she knew she was running the finals injured because she felt a tear like happen in the semifinals. And, but she, and she even said on the podcast flat out, she was like, if it was anything but the Olympics, she's like, I would not have ran that. She's like, but it was the Olympics. Like I would deal with the repercussions afterwards. Once in a lifetime like thing, and, and, and that's her job. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that is a um, a great example to break the rule of yeah, right. across the finish the finish line. Right, you're likely never going to get that opportunity again. Exactly. Um, but but for most of us recreational people who are you know trying to compete in a Spartan, you know, um, is 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 the juice always worth the squeeze? Um, you know, and, and it's more the training aspect. I think that anytime you're in an event, do what you need to do. But, um, but as far as the preparation for it, you don't start two weeks before, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's, that's a losing battle in all aspects. Yeah. And as far as like pushing it too, kind of like you were saying, like, if you're in like mid competition, you start feeling a little bit something in your back, like you're in competition, finish it. Um, but I'm like, if I had that same feeling in the middle of a workout, I'm done. Like there's, if it's just a normal training day, there is no point in pushing yourself to an injury. Absolutely no point. Um, but yet a lot of the people I see, you know, who are, who work out and like, yeah, you know, I knew I shouldn't have done that last, you know, AMRAP, but you know, I just did it anyways. And then, you know, it's like, oh, (laughs) You knew it. <laughs> that, 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 that's a human thing though, right? That's, <laughs> oh, if I can just get a little bit more done then. <laughs> then yeah. Nope. Totally get it. <laughs> totally get it. Let's take a quick break now to talk about Naboso technology. I absolutely love training barefoot for the power it gives me. But when I use Naboso, it really ups my game even more. Whether I am using the Naboso mat or using the Naboso insoles inside my shoes, that feedback it provides me onto my feet really enhance my performance. I would love for you to test out Naboso for yourself. Head over to naboso-technology.com to check out all of their amazing products. And if you use code GETYOURFIX at checkout, you can also save 10%. You can also head over to getyourfixpt.com partners 
and check out Naboso and all my other great partners. Now let's get back to the conversation. What else is coming up for you? What else is coming up? Um, well, uh, as far as kind of like, you know, thinking about this and kind of being more tangential, like we always are, I love it. <laughs> um, you know, that whole thing, I kind of just got, you know, to think in on the genetics thing is, you know, um, you know, and this is a tough conversation. Um, people who are, you know, um, might be overweight, might be, you know, um, really extremely deconditioned saying it's their genetics that, you know, is the reason why they are, is the exclusive reason I should say, why they are where they are, right? Um, and, you know, um, again, I, I love having the tough conversations. I hope it's okay. But, <laughs> um, you know, things like hypothyroidism and, you know, that, that kind of stuff, right? Um, um, and, and I'm not um, speaking down on anybody at all um, with this obesity and overweightness is a very multifaceted, multi, very complex situation. But, you know, last time I checked, you know, there aren't a lot of people who suffer from hypothyroidism, right? Um, compared to the amount of, you know, overweight and things like that. You know, I, if you don't mind me asking, how do you handle those kind of, you know, tougher conversations um, with people who, you know, want to say it's how they were born, right? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because I actually have a interesting story from yesterday from talking with someone, but um, which I'll share here in a second. But yeah, it can be like genetics absolutely can play a role if there's literally like something on your like in your genetic code that is not letting you like process something properly or like clear things out of your body or whatever. Um, so there is a portion that like, yes, genetics can play a role, but the majority of situations with the body, it comes down to like activity and nutrition more than anything. Like, what are you putting in your body? And like, what are you doing on a daily basis to move and, and like where the quality of foods, how much of the foods, cause how many like metabolic disorders do we have just because of the lack of quality of food people are taking in, not necessarily the amount. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think quality, I think it's become a lot more mainstream now, um, as opposed to just calories in versus calories out, but it's like, you know, what's the quality of the things you're putting in your body? You know, one of my patients said, and it was really interesting. She was like, we are food bodies. <laughs> it's like, what the heck do you mean? And she's like, you, you literally are what you eat. You know what I mean? The things you put on your skin, the things you put in your body. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not telling anyone to shy away from a margarita on a, you know, weekend or whatever the case is, but, you know, we, we are a culmination of, you know, the things we put over our bodies for, for years and years. Right. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. So I was talking with, it's actually someone who started coming to our gym recently, but it was someone I worked with probably three years ago, maybe, um, with a shoulder issue. And she's like, Oh, and, um, she had gained some weight since I saw her last, but I know she's dealing with a lot of personal life issues too. So not abnormal necessarily. Um, but she was telling me that she started like searching to figure things out recently. Cause she's like, I've been eating good. Like I've been working out. I've been gaining weight. Ended up finding out she had like all these like thousands of dollars of tests done. Her body does not eliminate toxins. 
she doesn't have a, I, I can't remember everything, but it's also like she doesn't have necessarily celiacs or anything there, but like her body has like, doesn't know how to like even process gluten. Um, and like, there's all these other things that like her body just can't like process or clear out. So add COVID and all these increased cleaners everywhere to it. Like her toxins just like started adding up and adding up in her body and like just created this full, like full blown inflammation situation. It's, and yeah, it was really fascinating to like, to talk to her about it. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that can really only come through with like a detailed examination, right. And spending some time and like speaking with her, you know, about that and, and, and her, 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 the, her tests with her doctor. Right. I mean, cause otherwise, you know, you could have written her off, off in a, in a different way. And, you know, um, so yeah, you know, it, it's, it's so important to understand our bodies, right? If your body says no in whatever way to, uh, to lactose and all that kind of stuff, probably should avoid that kind of stuff. Right. Same with, uh, gluten and all these, all these other things. Um, and you know, nutrition is such a fickle complex, you know, no um, thing. And uh, by the way, we're not registered dietitians and, and all of that disclaimer, everybody. <laughs> um, we, we are, um, you know, uh, people who, who are steeped in research and steeped in, you know, evidence and stuff like that. So um, yeah, hypothyroidism can be a very small <laughs> sector, but you have all of these other things too. Um, I love you shining light on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many other, and I'm, I'm being, I shouldn't say turned on to like the difference, like what hormones can do in the body recently, but, um, I've had a couple conversations, one actually a current client of mine who was doing really well. And then all of a sudden, like started having like all of these crazy, like joint and body aches. I'm like, this is not making sense. Um, like something definitely more systemic going on type thing. And, um, after a further conversation with her, she is um, like pre-menopause. So all the hormones are changing. So it's changing what's happening with her body. And it's just something that I think as clinicians and coaches, and even as athletes um, have to keep in mind that, especially for the female, like the regular menstrual cycle that we have, plus the changes that happen as we get older, like definitely is going to impact performance and, and kind of what happens on the day to day, month to month basis. Yep. It, it, it was, it was really cool to see that research is now being done, uh, for female athletes. You know, they did that one about the, um, I think it was on the Olympic female athletes and they, they, they measured where they were in their cycle. Right. Um, versus how many gold, silver, bronze medals were won. And they found at a certain point in the cycle, you know, I'm not sure what it is, but, um, uh, more women, one gold, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I do. From talking with some other women's health people recently, I do know. And it's really interesting because like when the female is kind of in their first, like one to three days of their cycles, like that's when it's like, I would just rather like stay home or not work for too hard, that sort of thing. That's actually when we are the strongest. So it's like most people are like hitting PRs and getting those like wins um, during at those periods. So it's like, you know, those things that's like, even though you don't want to go, like you're going to go crush it today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's super cool. I got to tell, uh, tell my patients that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the body does some extremely, um, amazing things. I'm happy we're finally getting to a point, um, where 
we are understanding and, and acknowledging that, you know, uh, you know, especially with women, women and female uh, uh, hormones, right? Um, I, I wish it was different, but I mean, for pretty much every patient I see who is female, who is some sort of, you know, athlete or enjoys fitness, you know, has gone to the doctor at one point or another and kind of been written off as, you know, oh, it's written, it's not really that, or, you know, stop being so dramatic and things like that. These horrible, horrible things, you know, um, and it's not against doctors, but it is against the communication that they're having with their patients, right? Um, because lo and behold, patients end up like your, um, um, your patient, the story you shared, right? and have had some very systemic things that you know on the surface don't seem like a big deal yeah and that's always so unfortunate that like and i've been there myself when i was dealing with an injury my ankle sprain back in when i was in pt school actually like i was written off by three different doctors like oh it's just a sprain you're fine um after surgery my surgeon was like your tendons were, or your ligaments were completely shredded. Like I had to repair them before I could even reattach them. And so it's just really frustrating on how often physicians of all sorts just are like, it's nothing, you're fine. Like not necessarily, well, sometimes they will say it's all in your head, but like just really brushing people off as far as like, and not listening to like what's actually going on with that human. It's a really sad state of affairs and, you know, but that's why I love that, you know, I don't know if you've had any naturopaths and, you know, these other alternative medicine like people. All are. I go, it's the only thing I go to is naturopaths. <laughs> love it. Love it. I'm starting to work with some, some as well. Um, and I, I love, I love the approach, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of internal medicine people who are doing, you know, a similar thing, but just this, this naturopathic thing, because, you know, again, we're all food bodies, right? It's the things we're putting in our bodies for the most part, aside from any congenital, you know, <laughs> issue, um, you know, that that's making us the way we are good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing, like really looking, like making sure you're talking to those physicians that think outside the box and aren't just the like prescribing these medications. And, and, you know, we've gotten into that sick care system versus healthcare system and and that conversation before, and I'm sure we'll get into many more of them, but um, it really is finding those people who are like, let's actually fix the cause of this rather than just continuing to medicate and do surgeries and treat these symptoms. And guess what, you know, although these, all these surgeries, um, you know, in their little CGI videos when, you know, when, before you go in, you know, they kind of explain to it, yeah, although it looks all clean and this, that, and the other, it does not, um, by any means, it does a lot of trauma to our body. And there are times when that is absolutely necessary, but you know, some, I had a person a couple of years ago, she, her, her knee kind of hurt sometimes when she walked up the stairs and she was on deck for a total knee replacement. And, you know, um, I urged, you know, I'm, I'm not your medical doctor, but you know, you might want to, um, explore all the options available for you. Um, and she went into it. So that's, that's a, a problem of a, of a bigger, um, bigger cause, right. Allowing people to do that stuff before conservative approaches. Yeah. Like, 
And not to say surgery is not needed sometimes, because there definitely is a time and place for surgery. There's a time and place for medications. Like you had an infection. Cool. Get your antibiotics. Like let, like kill that thing off. (laughs) Um, But like there's so for most conditions, there's so many things that other things that can be done, or at least conservatively can be attempted first before going to those extreme measures. Sure can be. Um, and, you know, it, I wish it was more of a last resort, but I, 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 th- I think we are getting there. You know, the um, American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, you know, put out some position pieces on um, one was on the rotator cuff that we're doing a little bit too many surgeries because a lot of people have torn rotator cuffs, whether they have pain or not, <laughs> um, which which I think is very significant. I'm not sure how well that was received in the community. Um, but yeah, to be clear, surgeries exist for a reason and surgeries are indicated for, for a reason as well. Just like painkillers, right? We get so um, adverse to take, taking painkillers, right? But if someone's in 10 out of 10 pain all the time, I mean, what kind of quality of life is that? And sometimes you need to do that. But you shouldn't be getting, you know, 70 pills of Oxycontin when you sprain your ankle. <laughs> <laughs> Mild sprain. (laughs) And the cortisone injection to get rid of the pain and then go on with your life is not the ideal either. Like follow that up with therapy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Or do the therapy please before the cortisone shots and fail the therapy before you go to the shots because of all the, you know, um, um, sequela from that. It's, uh, um, can be counterproductive to a patient's well-being. It definitely can. Like, there definitely is a time and place. Like if you literally can't move your body, I can't stand up out of bed because the pain's so bad, probably need an injection prior to doing anything else. But if you can at least barely function, like do the conservative first. Yeah. Um, you can always go to the more, you know, um, um, you know, uh, uh, you can always go to the surgeries. You can always go to the uh, injections and things like that, but you can't ever undo it. And, you know, I know uh, some of the people listening are like, oh, these guys are PTs. They, they, they think everything can be cured with, with movement and stuff like that. Yes, it can. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just, just, just kidding. Um, <laughs> we... <laughs> We, um, we do have a unique perspective, but I mean, the, the evidence, the research, you know, suggests that cortisone injections can make your tissues brittle and can at, at times be counterproductive uh, for healing, for any kind of tissue healing, some kind of tissue healing. So, um, you know, this isn't us. This is people paying millions of dollars to, to do conduct this research, right? Physical therapists, medical doctors, whatever the case is. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like, Jokingly, but not jokingly, like movement can fix almost anything. Almost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> things it probably can't, but <laughs> a lot of things can. Yeah, you know, well, when we have an epidemic, you know, is that I, I looked at and I think this is a very conservative number, you know, one in three people are overweight, right? And obese and the stress that can put on your joints and that's not the only factor but that is a factor and it's a preventable factor you know if we were to move a little bit more you know we we would overall have a healthier healthier society right covid wouldn't be as much of a 
as 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 big of a, um, a horrible epidemic as it's been, right? Mm-hmm. People would have, you know, taken two days off work and been like, "Oh yeah, I had some COVID real quick. I feel better now." <laughs> like keep keep it moving, right? <laughs> like the flu or whatever the indicated time, please don't <laughs> reach out to me <laughs> in two days. But, um, but I mean, in, in all seriousness, you know, um, if we were to move more, if we were to move better, we would not simply just wouldn't have a lot of these issues. Oh, absolutely. Well, how many people did, I know I talked to a lot of them. How many people did you talk to that had jobs where they were standing or on their feet and then started working from home at a computer and started having back issues. Like, I know I talked to a lot of them, especially the runners that, um, like they were talking about like hip and back issues. And my first, like after a bit, my first question to them was like, have you been sitting more now that you're working from home? And like nine times out of 10, the answer was yes. And and sitting at their kitchen table too, right. You know, on the, (laughs) on, on stuff that's not very ergonomic or, you know, good for you in the first place. Right. Not meant to be sitting for eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you know, um, it was interesting. Uh, my wife's company, um, she works in biotech. They, you know, had a, uh, some kind of funding. They spent millions and millions of dollars on getting everyone to stand sit desks. Right. And uh, I do believe in standing. I do believe it is better than sitting. Um, I do believe changes in positions are better. But um, they they thought that was going to cure everything. All their workers' comp stuff was just going to go away. <laughs> Guess what? It didn't. <laughs> because there are times when you can stand like crap, just like you can sit like crap, right? <laughs> um, and, and again, I, I, I do believe in standing and changing positions. But, um, you know, there's no such thing as a, a panacea, right? You know, a, a cure-all, you know, for these things. Yeah. And yes, the sitting is important too. Like I definitely, towards the end of the day, my legs are getting tired. Like I'll sit down myself, but um, yeah, the changing in positions I think is, is key. Like our bodies aren't meant to be in one position all the time. So if you're just standing like both feet flat on the floor all the time, that's going to cause its own problems. Like be fidgety. <laughs> move around you should see how many steps i get in pacing when i'm talking on the phone and all right. that, which i do a lot of and um yeah that's just kind of the person i am i've probably moved a thousand times during this this, uh, this podcast oh i know and i think like i a lot of times so like i stand on one leg and then i bring my other leg like in like a figure four position on my desk and so Ooh. i literally just like probably every like five minutes i'm switching positions like switching legs wow you got good control too. That I would have never noticed. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting on my left leg right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So I I think yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, right? Motion is lotion, and us us doing stuff is always better than us not doing stuff. I mean, I don't mean to get too like you know, like archaeology and like anthropology like, but I mean, what what other species just sits all day? Yeah, Even yeah. koalas, they sleep for a long time, but they end up moving for, uh, you know, whatever part of the day. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were not developed to do this. At, at some point, who knows, hopefully not, but evolution will take us there. And <laughs> we'll be perfectly adapted to do nothing all the time. <laughs> I, I hope not. That'd be a sad day for the human race. But <laughs> Bears might be the only one that get away with that when they hibernate. <laughs> Oh, bears that's right that's right bears do yeah but I, I guess you know 
the rest of the time when they're not hibernating, they are catching salmon and moving and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So moral of the story, you can sleep as much as you want, just catch some salmon after. <laughs> awesome. That's a good moral. Um. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Any closing thoughts before we close it out today? Um, last thought, and this is probably maybe for a bigger podcast. Everyone, for the most part, age is just a number. You know, you're only as old as you feel. Um, you know, um, you just have to do what you can to make sure that you're training in the right way to get to your goals and things like that. Um, age has an influence, absolutely, and I will never discount that. But, you know, I have a 78, 79-year-old uh, patient right now. Uh, last year, he hiked uh, Mount Baker, uh, which is a huge mountain. And year before that, he hiked Mount Kilimanjaro, right? <laughs> so um, I'm not saying everyone can or wants to or will do that, but age is always just an embryo. Awesome. And yes, we could definitely dive into a further conversation on the next time we do this. <laughs> All right. Um, if you have not listened to any of our other discussions with between Matt and myself, definitely go back to listen to those. In the meantime, Matt, where can people find you? Well, first, let me say thank you so much for having me on, Brian. I love these conversations. I love that we can talk about this stuff. Um, but please reach out to me um, if you're listening to this and this resonated with you. Um, you can find me at Auto Nest Therapies dot com or sorry and therapies.com also nest therapies for social media facebook and all that kind of stuff i'm not perfect i have said that a few times <laughs> but 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 seriously please reach out i'd love to have more in-depth conversations um you know whether someone agrees uh with with me or uh, disagrees um i think an open and honest conversation uh to come to a place of understanding is is super beneficial awesome well, thank you again for your time today. This was super fun as always. Yes, likewise. Thanks for having me on. And before I close out today, I want to take a moment to talk to you about the foot and ankle fix for runners. Foot and ankle pain is such a common injury with runners. And yet it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be bothering you constantly. It doesn't have to be shutting you down from being able to run. But many times it does because we don't do the right things for it. That is why I created the Foot and Ankle Fix for Runners. It's an online program that will give you the right things to do in order to resolve your foot and ankle issues once and for all and let you really get back to training like you want to. So if you're interested in checking out the Foot and Ankle Fix for Runners, head over to getyourfixpt.com courses and you can see a link for the Foot and Ankle Fix for runners, as well as all of my other online programs. Thank you again so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>